Carissa, Delaney, and Allie. Six flights up, six flights up, six flights up, six flights up. Don't lose your sparkle. Welcome back to Six Flights Up. I really wish I could sing. This is Allie. This is a solo episode. It is just me today, guys. So I hope I don't disappoint. I do miss my girls. Haven't seen them in far too long. It literally feels like it's been a month and a half. We've got, we just had summer, summer got in the way and you know, everyone's doing everything now and like there's weddings and crazy things and not to mention I did catch the Rona. So I, yes, I got COVID about almost two weeks ago now. My boyfriend caught it somewhere. We're both vaccinated and it's just craziest thing, but we both ended up with COVID and it's been, it's a really weird, like if anyone's caught it or had it, it's such a strange virus because everything you think you're going to feel, you feel the opposite. And I was like, I'm definitely not going to lose my taste. Definitely not. And on day four slash five, I lost my taste. So I think the worst part about COVID was losing my taste. But other than that, the symptoms felt like a really, you know, severe sinus infection and we've been okay. And luckily, you know, luckily we have been okay. So We've just been kind of quarantining and staying in and I've been housing our podcast system or whatever you want to call it. So here I am doing a solo episode and I was thinking of creative ideas of stuff we could do. So if you guys are newer listeners to Six Lights Up, welcome. It is usually me and my co-hosts Delaney and Carissa. We have been longtime friends and we all lived in a six floor walk up in New York City, hence the term Six Lights Up. So this podcast is really just lots of fun conversations on just like being a woman, navigating your 20s and 30s because we're I'm turning 30 this year. And it's just going to be, it's just a lot of just conversation. And and we talk about a lot of different topics. Last episode was all about Sports Illustrated and the latest edition. And we've talked about our modeling career because that is how we all came to know each other and, and met. But just kind of like navigating life and dating and all of the ups and downs and flights of stairs that you have to climb throughout many different journeys. So Uh, Six Lights Up is a little play on words, but that's kind of how we all came to be. And typically it's all three of us, but today it's going to be me and my special guest, my dad. So if you guys have listened to episodes in the past, myself, Carissa and Delaney have all made note to my father who has what we call Q-ism. So his name is Quentin and we call him Q. And throughout my life, you know, we've got a lot of Q-ism. So those are just little little pieces of wisdom, little amazing insights on anything and everything you're going through in life. You know, career-wise, dating-wise, my dad's just always had like the best. If I really wanted real advice, I went to my dad. So today we're going to be like replaying some of the lessons I've learned from him and also just getting a good male perspective um, because my dad was always able to do that for me. And I think it's fun when I explain it to my girlfriends and they're like, wow, that's so insightful. Like, yeah, you know, I think it is too. So today we're going to have my dad on. I'm going to call him in. Obviously I can't go anywhere. And we're going to get some nice cueism slash insight. So we're going to give him a call and I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you guys, you know, have any 
questions or topics you'd like to hear more of, um, let us know. Because again, this came, this, this idea of me kind of co-hosting with my dad for this episode came from one of our amazing listeners, Molly. So Molly, if you're listening, thank you so much. This one's for you. Um, she's like, you're really close to your dad. I'm like, yeah, I should do something on that. So we're going to call him in. Thanks, Molly. And always guys, send us ideas. We love hearing from you. And if you want to be on the podcast, let us know too. All right, let's give him a call. Hello, hello. Hello, Q. Hey. Hi. (laughs) Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, I just gave a little intro on you, Q, and some background. I don't get to hear that, do I? You will when it's loaded. I had to call you. Um, So, today we're going to do a little Q&A with my dad, who we call Q. So, this is Q&As with Q. And this might be a series because we just talked prior to this about the topics that I want to hit. And I think there might be a lot in that. So anyway, Q, hi. Hey, how are we doing today? How are we doing? We mentioned you a lot in our podcast. Have you listened to our episodes lately, Q? I have listened. I don't hear. You don't hear? I don't hear myself mentioned all that often, but that's okay. Q, you were in a lot. Of the first episodes. You weren't, unfortunately, you weren't in the last episode that was on Sports Illustrated. I'm sorry. That's all right. I figure one way or another, I'm probably in your thoughts. Yes. I think I'll just say things. So Carissa dubbed these Q-isms as Q-isms because I would just say things and then I would be like, well, I can't own. They would say, that's genius. And I'd be like, I I can't own that. That's my dad, actually. That's my dad speaking. So, yeah, dad, the first thing we talked about was the fishbowl. Remember the fishbowl example you gave me (laughs) when I was dating in a terrible relationship? And for for every time, my dad would never say, you would never say, oh, I don't like him or where you're at. You would just say things like, don't stay where you don't belong. (laughs) And I would just look yeah. at you and say, okay, I guess that's my advice, right? Or well, I, I remember saying a bunch of things along that line. Don't stay where you don't belong is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. The other one was pay attention to the signs. Mm-hmm. And I think I accused you on more than one occasion of trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. <laughs> yes, that's another. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, or vice versa, you know. It's, either way, it doesn't work. Yeah, just doesn't work. That's it. It's it's also just like not getting attached to what it isn't, you know, or what it is. Well, serving. the thing you mentioned earlier was, and actually, this is hard to do as a parent. It's hard to not say something negative about a situation or even a person, for that matter, if you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. But you you really have to bite your tongue and just not because, you know, you're all learning and, you know, the lessons you learn the best are the ones you you do on your own. So I just try to, I try to uh, throw little quips here and there. So how, as a parent, is that really frustrating to watch your kid child date someone that you really don't like or watch them be in a bad place? I, that's a tough question because I think it's probably really tough for some parents, especially 
if you're talking about a daughter and there's a potential for her to be in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. I never had that experience with you. I just had some frauds and things like that. So, so on so the I topic have- on the topic of fraud, um, <laughs> we have mentioned frauds. So that has been mentioned quite a few times. That there was a whole episode on frauds because I've had a, my fair share of experience with them. And um, can you define a fraud in your terms to our audience? Jeez, that's another tough question. A lot of this is gut, is gut stuff. And again, when you're you know sitting with your daughter, listening to her experiences. You, know, you have another bank of experiences because you know, you're substantially older and you've lived longer, but you just hear things and you just say, hmm, oh boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of which I know just because of life experiences, some of which I know because, you know, I'm a, I'm a male and I'm listening to a male, you know, that kind of thing. But right. it just came flying out of my mouth, I remember. I remember the, I think the first time I said that, you started laughing or you were just questioning it maybe. I don't know. But it was it was something I found that I used fairly often. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you don't have to ever use that. <laughs> no, no. Again, I think we're, we've hopped off the fraud train, but it's a great definition for labeling men. Okay, so let's talk about like... Let's talk about what do we call our fire? We could call them fireside chats, Dad, with our whiskey nights when we, when I graduated college and we really got to hang out and know each other. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. and um, well, actually, one one thing that happened pre college, I guess it was right before I started, was that was when you had this big long. Remember the big long conversation we had on the drive to New York? So I was actually trying out for America's Next Top Model. And you sure. drove me to New York to do the tryouts. It was this crazy three day of of exhausting tryouts, and I didn't end up getting it. I was at the final rounds, but Delaney did. So we do have someone in the fam who made it to yeah. NTM. We need to do an episode on that. But anyway, my dad drove me, and I was starting school, and he was just kind of talking to me. And that was when you introduced the nuggets analogy. So can you explain nuggets, Dad? Sure. Yeah, that definitely happened before, that was before college. Yeah, it was a freshman going in. It was like August. Because, you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up, you're just, you're just having fun. You're just living your life and everything's a real party. It doesn't really get to a serious note until you really go to college. Even high school, you're just having fun. You know, as a parent, you're trying to guide, but you don't really get into any of the any of the nuts and bolts of life reality. But what happened, that was so a, a weird time because you, know, you were getting ready to go to college and then all of a sudden this opportunity came up and there was a very realistic possibility if you were chosen that you wouldn't actually be able to go to college. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously the show would have gone on. I'm sure Lainey has some experiences and some things to say about that. But... Either way, I knew that you could you could get it, you might not get it. And I figured that was a good opportunity to just start talking about frustrations that were going to be coming your way. I think you will have to admit that many did. Mm-hmm. In all in all facets of your life, you know, not just the modeling part, but the relationships, dealing with professors, 
difficult professors, dealing with difficult parents, friends, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought it was important that you understood that the theory of nuggets and a nugget is value. I mean, you can think about it like a gold nugget. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of information. It's an experience that you happened, that had happened to you. They're not always good, but your nuggets go into your bank and your bank just creates a more well-rounded person. And like I said, they're not always good. A lot of times the the best nuggets are bad ones. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, you know, if you accidentally learn how to do something right and it works out for you, it's not, it's not really a super lesson. But if you learn how to go about something and it's bad and it doesn't work well, you're less likely to do it again. So there's your value. And that goes along with like being uncomfortable and taking, being okay with uncomfortable situations. Well, sure. Everywhere, everywhere you go, everything you do has value. Everything. Right. You know, from how you drive your car to how you walk, how you stand, how you speak to people, how you relate, how you relate to people when they speak to you in a certain way. That's, that's the, that's the base. So you got to start with the understanding as a young person, just getting ready to go to college or maybe this, you know, fantastic modeling career, whatever's coming your way that you don't really know much. Mm -hmm. So you got to pay attention to everything and bank all your nuggets. Remember them so you can use their, those experiences again later to be better. Well, I think the worst, I, I don't think it's bad. I think, but you have to, I think there's plenty of things that I've done where you go through them and you know, you're probably going to fail, but you're like, I have to fail to know how to not fail. <laughs> and sometimes sure. even now I feel like there's plenty of times where I'm doing something that's new and I'm just like, I have to fail this a couple of times and it's uncomfortable, but Unless you do it, you can't say how to not do it. You know what I'm saying? I do. That kind of leads right into something else that I used to say a lot, which was paying your dues. Mm -hmm. You don't just jump into the major leagues of baseball without having played in the minors or younger. And that's where your jobs are not good. You're getting a lot of nuggets, though. Mm -hmm. Put your time in. People don't respect you if you don't put your time in. Right. I think you had a lot of that experience at QVC. Yeah. Yeah. You took lousy jobs. Lousy jobs, garbage jobs. I remember talking to you driving home from QVC on your way back to Temple. Put them in the middle of the night after you just did a lousy shift and got beat up. And I just kept saying, yeah, there's a nugget there. You'll see it. Yeah. And then you're paying your dues. It's an invaluable commodity. You can't, you you can't replace it. Mm -hmm. So I always, yeah, I always like to talk about a part of that that just coincides with just never being fully comfortable. Like I think you should never be fully comfortable with anything. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Because things change. And I think that's another thing you've taught me is never, things never stay the same typically. So you have to have indifference to every outcome. Yeah, it's funny. I'm now, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm having flashbacks to many things that I I said. (laughs) If you know me well enough, you know, I like to talk. (laughs) Yeah. And I have plenty to say. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's right. I was 
things never really stay the same. If you get too comfortable in a situation, it's going to smack you mm-hmm. somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. So the philosophy should be look for change, embrace the change, grab it and run with it. Never be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. These are concepts that fit pretty much everybody. Yeah, I think so. And stay flexible. I'm sure you know people who can't change. We all know people who can't change. Yeah. Yeah. They're out there. That's just change is just really difficult. Sometimes change. Yeah. Sometimes change is scary and hard and you like the way things are. But I think, I don't know. I think that helps you navigate life, especially with this past year. I mean, there's lots of people that had to shift big time. Well, a lot of times change is difficult. I remember having those conversations with you as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I think then is when I would break it down. I mean, I still don't love change. I'm I'm still working on it. Well, again, you break it down. You do the math. You you play out if it works out well. You play out if it works out badly. And typically, if it works out badly, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And you grabbed a bunch of nuggets along the way. Key. That is key. Okay. We covered nuggets and the art of indifference. Be like, <laughs> um, well, we we didn't really cover the art of indifference yet. Oh, okay. Well, why don't we touch on the art of indifference? Because I feel like you've <laughs> you have trained me for a very long time about the art of remaining unattached. A lot of that untethered. Yeah, a lot of that is more about kind of just throwing things out into the universe. And the fact of the matter is, if you're attached to the outcome of a situation, it's probably not going to work out well. Okay, give me an example. I mean, I know what you mean, but for people who don't. Well, if you go into a job interview and your your brain is just thinking, oh my gosh, I have to have this job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to starve if I don't get this job. I won't be able to pay my rent. I won't be able to get anything together. I have to have this job. I have to have this job. Everything counts on me getting this job. There's a real good chance that you're not going to get it. It's counterintuitive, but it has everything to do with what you're throwing out into the universe and how it comes back to you. So my philosophy always was maintain indifference to the outcome. Sometimes it's really hard to do. You have to train yourself. Yeah, it's really hard to do. Because you don't want to be uncaring about the outcome because obviously you're doing, you're trying to do something. You're trying to get a job that you think you would like. Right. It's a balance. You have to find a sweet spot. Right. But if I have found that if you just have an indifference, not a discaring attitude, just an indifference to the outcome, it's sometimes strangely attractive to the other side. And it definitely works within the parameters of the universe, I believe. Love it. And you should, know and you've taught me how to use that in actual interviews too. Yeah, I, I know I've said that to you probably too much, but you know. no, it's true. I, I keep going back on. Well, I'm sure that you you had interviews that situations that you landed because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you get too caught up in it, you, you're just wound up into a pretzel. It's a it's a hard concept to really grasp. Because it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. Not really. Mm-hmm. Why should I really not care about whether I get this job or not? And it's not really that you don't care. It's that you're just not completely attached to getting it. Because 
the truth of the matter is you didn't have the job before you walked into the interview. So really, what did you lose? You lost nothing. Right. Or gained a new perspective or learned how to do things differently for the next time. Or you gained a couple of nuggets. Nuggets, values. Yes. Yeah. No, I feel like I've definitely used that in, in interviews, especially. Even with modeling, I feel like every casting I was on, you get so attached to being chosen or like, I need to get this client. I don't have a client here yet. And you get so obsessed. And at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's just luck and being at the right place at the right time, or that's why you have to have this perspective. And it helps you also in regards to rejection too. Like if you don't end up with what you wanted, it helps you accept it faster, I think. Yeah, those uh, modeling situations, casting situations, they are all really good examples of that concept. I think so too. You're right about the rejection part. If you're not completely attached to the outcome of that situation, the rejection part is a whole lot easier. Let's face it, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect for any situation. So we're going to get rejection. Mm -hmm. But I think the faster you get comfortable with rejection, the faster you life falls in place for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I always, I always chose to look at rejection as not being my place. Right. And that's a hard concept to say. Like, it's like dating, right? And someone you break up or it doesn't work out or whatever, and you have to accept the fact that that wasn't for you. And, you know, you have to move on with that. And I think, I think it can help you get through it, but I think it's also a very harsh reality sometimes in all situations of rejection, whatever. There's been plenty. There was a job I went out for a couple, you know, months back. And it was like, okay, that was really tough to swallow, but it just wasn't meant for me at that time. So it just happens. Well, well, I think it's like anything else. The more, the more you do it, the more you're, you're comfortable. You mean the with. more you get rejected? <laughs> well, the more you're comfortable. The more you get with, broken hearted. Well, well, broken up with. well, no, no, no. Listen, listen, the more you're comfortable with the outcome. And right. Nobody wins all the time and nobody loses all the time. Right. So at some, at some point in time, you got to be comfortable with you know, what it is and what you are. So I, you know, I always just choose to say that job wasn't for me. No, or like risky business. By the way, I need to watch that still. Oh, man. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. It's a classic. Marco got really mad at me last night when I said I haven't seen it. But my dad, I know one scene that my dad always repeats. What's the scene again? Oh, there's a couple of scenes in there when he realizes he's not going to make it to to uh, Princeton. Uh huh. And he says, "It's uh, well, I guess it's Butler Community College." <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one where he swears. That's not. That's a good one too. Yeah, where he says, "Sometimes you just got to say, like, what? what, what you? Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Just let it fly, right? <laughs> yeah. And he put his glasses." And he put his sunglasses on and he went on, went on about his business. Yeah. Got to keep it, keep it moving. Didn't you teach me that too? Keep it moving. That's another one. That's another cueism because when Delaney and I first met, I remember that was like my constant theme was keep it moving. Got to keep it moving. Right. Next. Next. Next, please. Cool. Okay. Well, 
another topic I really want to cover with you is segueing into personal boundaries, because I think that's something you really just stand by. So personal boundaries, Q, what do you, why is that so important when it came to teaching, especially Savannah and I, because I have um, a brother and a sister. So, you know, personal boundaries were big. In our it's funny. I, I, I end up having a lot of conversations about that subject with friends who have kids, my friends' kids, things like that. And uh, I will tell them that I'm pretty good at that subject. And I said, if you think I'm not, you should mention it to one of my daughters and their eyes will roll back in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> because they've heard it so many times. It's not. It's not just personal boundaries, it's strong, healthy personal boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because personal boundaries can be whacked. They can be skewed. So strong, healthy personal boundaries is really about it's a protection. And then it becomes a way of life. Okay, so you have to explain it though. Okay, well I, I, it's important for young people to know what a strong, healthy personal boundary is. So hopefully young people have someone in their ear talking to them about it. And it's not always real easy to give good examples, but if you listen to your kids and you listen to the things they're going through, you can point out where, you know, they may have handled something a little better with somebody who was maybe a bully or was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And it's probably something that I remember with you guys. It was a middle school thing because that's kind of when the world comes crashing in on you emotionally, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends, all that. Mm -hmm. And strong, healthy, personal boundaries is understanding that you have value and you won't stand for mistreatment from anyone towards you. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because, you know, it's emotional. Sometimes you don't understand. And I remember one time I had been talking to Savannah about, strong, healthy personal boundaries many, many, many times. And I guess she didn't get it, but it doesn't matter whether you guys don't get it or not. I figured if I keep, you know, keep on saying it, mm-hmm. it's going to sink in. You know, look, here you are, Ellie, many years later, just spitting back things I said that I probably forget. Right. Because I stopped saying it because you got it. So, But I remember um, Savannah was in the lunchroom in middle school. It would have been seventh grade. And something went down where one of the one of the bullies in class went at her and her group on the table and she stood up and got in her face and <laughs> naturally backed her down because, you know, everyone knows, everyone should know bullies are really cowards. Right. But Savannah came home and she told me that story and it was really a cool moment because I said, wow, Savannah, that's a pretty good job. What, what do you think that's an example of? And she just looked at me. She rolled her eyes. Nope. And then the light bulb went off. Ah. And she went, oh, that's, that's a what boundary that is. thing, right, Dad? And I went, yep, you got well, it. Well, I think that raising, I don't know if, if I had raising girls is scary because I think it's really something you have to be like raise. I think it's a dad's job to teach a girl how to be loved. I truly do believe that. So I think... I don't know. I think it's something that's important to install and, you know, not just that they're loved, but that they, that they know how to love themselves, you know? 
and well, you're that, kind of guiding them to that. Well, that's the wraparound with the strong, healthy personal boundaries. You, you really have to instill them that they have value. Mm-hmm. And they have to know they have value. They have to hear from you that they have value. And then they got to understand out there in the real world. It's still important for, for young boys, too, because... You know, they, they can be taken advantage of just as easily, just as quickly. You know, they tend to hide it more, of course. But that value, once you get that first example like burned into your brain where you stood up for yourself and you just refused to let anybody mistreat you, that's it. And I I feel that that is the, the key. I mean, there's tons of things that you all need to learn. And you need to work your way through. But if you start with that lesson, strong, healthy boundaries lesson, mm-hmm. you got a real good foothold. You got firm ground to stand on for all the other ones that come. Yeah, I'd agree. And it carries into adulthood, I think. You know, it absolutely, it absolutely carries into adulthood. Conversely, if you don't have that, I'm sure you've seen people that didn't and don't, and they get stepped on and pushed around and walked over and just basically mistreated and you wonder why and they probably just don't have that base. Right. But can you develop that, you think? You can work on it. Right. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Every, anybody can you know, this is not this is not genius territory. It's it, it's basic. Mm-hmm. A good mentor, you know, being in place is certainly helpful. But you can actually learn it yourself. Yeah. Love it. You can teach yourself, but it applies. Again, a lot of the things I talk about, you can apply everywhere. Right. Not not just your relationships with you know a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whoever. Your boss. It could be you your know. bosses. <laughs> it also applies in the, in the work field. Sure. Or just or knowing like you know. what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Yeah. You know, anybody you bump into or into in a, in a restaurant who, you know, butts in line in front of you. Right. Well, I think it's also when it comes to working, it's it's like speaking. I always have this conversation with Marco because sometimes I'll draft an email and I know you've edited a lot of my emails. Um, <laughs> and I always go to like men for for an edit because I feel like women for so many reasons just like sugarcoat things that don't even need to be sugarcoated um, when it comes to like a male colleague or a ma- any male in your mailbox. Um, right. Because for whatever reason, we're like, I don't know. It's like there's this weird fear behind saying the wrong thing, but men can just email and say, you know, Dan or, you know, your name is Quentin, but we call you Dan too. Dan, comma. <laughs> Please, yeah, it might be confusing to the listeners, but his name is Quentin, but he also goes by Dan. So, (laughs) you know, Quentin, comma, Dan, comma, and then just exactly what they want to say, and then it's over. But with women, it's like, hi, so-and-so, thank you so much for listening yesterday, would love to hear your blah, 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 and there's all this fluff, right? And I feel like you have always helped me eliminate the fluff, and now Marco does, and it's just like... Women do it. And sometimes, I don't know, it's not a necessarily a personal boundary. It's just like learning how to navigate. Okay. Well, speaking of male perspective, we'll wrap it up shortly, but I do have a couple more questions. So um, these are from Carissa and Delaney too. So it's all about dating. <laughs> 
So <laughs> we want to talk about just dating in your 20s and like give us the real straight skinny on dating in your 20s. Why do you think it's so hard for some men to commit slash grow up? I believe it's wrapped around insecurity. So, okay. And do you think there's more insecure? I mean, I personally think there's more insecure men roaming around than secure men these days. Um, do you believe that to be the case? <laughs> oh boy, that's a that's a tough question. I would say yes. There are probably more insecure men because I don't know. I, you know, I'm 62 years old now. I don't have my finger on the pulse of young males in the dating world. But if I had to go with a percentage answer, I would say yes. There are more. More insecure than not. Hmm. Why? Why do you think that? It's probably because most young males don't have good mentors. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have anybody in their ear talking to them. They don't have a real go-to person. Okay. I'd agree. And it's hard out here, Dad. It's hard out here when you're very, dating. When you're, I, when you're a young woman dating, trying to find a healthy, secure men, especially if you're a secure woman. I can't even imagine what it's like. It's real difficult. (laughs) And if you have an expectation of finding, you know, the unicorn, it it may be a long search. (laughs) You just have to find something normally, uh, not normal, but close to it, like close to what your make or breaks are. Sometimes you have to wait them out. Sometimes you have to understand which ones are fraudulent and mm-hmm. which ones will never come around because there are a bunch of those as well. Right. You know, I know some that are in their 50s and 60s, 40s. Right. They so just, some of them just they, never really do. Yeah. They don't. They don't ever really come out of it. Okay. Oh, wow, Q. Thanks for being my helpful navigator through life. <laughs> We have well, many talks, and I know I kind of threw a lot at you, but I feel like we covered a lot of bases. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy to uh, do this again. Yeah, we'd there, love it. Maybe some... with the girls this time, next time? Sure, sure. you know they want to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. We can do a live one. Yeah, the encouraging thing for me is that I've had a number of conversations with Marco, and he and I seem to think along the same line. So I feel pretty good about you being with Marco. <laughs> well, that's great, Dad. Thanks. I finally got something right in the dating category. <laughs> we had fraud one, two, three, four, five. Did we stop at five? I think there was five. Maybe. There was like, they were like fraud, half of a fraud, you know. He's had some hilarious things and, oh, and interactions true. happen with, yeah, with said bar- frauds. frauds. Yeah, that's right. We had like disguised frauds that pretended like they were in frauds and then they were exposed. We've had it all. Yeah, I, I kind of blocked that out because you're not there now. Yeah, I know. But Dad, it is helpful for people who might be dating a fraud similar to you. I'm going to have to jog my memory on, on those and maybe I'll remember. Yeah, me too. But now it's just funny part of the past. Thank goodness. Yeah. Aww. Hey, Allie, you know, a lot of times things just fly out of my mouth. It's, I know. You know it's my, I know. It's on I my know. brain at, at the moment and it, it comes flying out and it's pretty good. 
but I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I, re, I mean, I remember it, you know, the next day. Yeah, we have to start writing it down, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know. I write them down, so I'll save you that. All right, Q, thank you so much. I love you. I love you, too. Um, you're quite welcome. Anytime. Girls, hello. Girls. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, Q, I love you. I'll talk to you later. Oh, and happy Bye. birthday, by the way. His birthday was yesterday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk soon. Thank you. All right, love you. Bye, Q. Bye. Okay, guys, that was my dad. Yes, I have. I have been very blessed to have had his guidance throughout life. And I obviously I catch him like he like you said, when it's in the moment, but a lot of his lessons I've just carried and we do speak to a lot of them in all the podcasts. And I think like if you guys are closer with your parents or have ever having conversations with your parents is so it's so insightful and I feel like it's been so helpful for me throughout the years. So um, I always give hats off to my dad for helping me get through some very, very dark times that he says he doesn't remember, but they were definitely there and he was always there for me. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this and, you know, maybe we'll have other episodes with Delaney and Carissa's parents because they're equally as incredible and we've all had amazing bonding moments with all of our parents. So maybe we'll make this a little series, but again, shout out to Molly for proposing this idea. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And as always, guys, please follow us on Instagram at six flights up, the number six flights up and send us ideas. We love hearing from you guys. We would love to start doing a series of interviews as well with other people. So if you guys are interested on being in interested in being on the pod let us know and please follow us dm us love you so much all right see you next time hopefully i'll be with all the girls okay bye